Inside Nigeria, keeping you informed on what matters. to Inside Nigeria, coming to you from Leadership Podcast Studio in Abuja. My name is Winifred Ibebon and I'll be your host on today's presentation of the program. Unfortunately, my co-host Bode Gladebo is still unavoidably absent. Welcome. And uh, I have with me here on the studio to review the papers and discuss dissecting issues and making the runs in today's Nigeria. Um, Samaila Musa. Musa is a public affairs analyst. Musa, thank you for having It's my pleasure to have you on the program. Yes, we'll be taking off with these tables and, of course, Nigeria's um, leading, most influential newspaper, and that is Leadership. Leadership newspaper has on its cover today, Friday. 3rd of September 2021, citing poor working conditions, remuneration, doctors, health workers, impact on strike, tied 10 times in six years. Citing poor working conditions and remuneration, doctors, health workers, impact on strike 10 times in six years. And leadership has riders for that story. Nigeria has ratio of one doctor to 2,753 2, citizens against World Health Organization's one to 600 persons. 33,000 of nations, 74,000 registered doctors live for greener pasture. And also, federal government is to make COVID-19 vaccine compulsory for workers. Yes. What do you say to that? Uh, well, I think um, Nigeria is always found in this web, you know, like as if we're just not a serious people because I do not see any reason why a critical sector as the health sector will be, you know, the issues around it will be handled with kids' gloves. I think probably maybe because the people who are actually in the helm of affairs at time always feel they have an option to jet out of the country because otherwise there's no reason. Because when you spread this 10 times in six years, it means averagely they went on strike two times in a year. So what is it that was not resolved? First year, you were, we were able to manage it. They went second time within the next the same year. You were able to manage it. You push it into the next year and on and on and on, you know, we find ourselves in this vicious cycle and you know the poor masses are always at the receiving end of all these issues you understand you can't i can tell you the number of uh, uh, death that is always recorded in between each time they went on the strike you know, whether accident victims who will need emergency attention or you know people who are sick who were abandoned on the hospital bed right there in still you understand and people who are coming in fresh as you know people who fell ill while the strike is ongoing and there's no any medical attention and take note in some of these hospitals there are no even options to say oh we have clinics the private clinics where people can go it's only government hospital that is functional within those domain so really uh, we, we're really not serious we're not serious people the government is not serious about these things because they have an option to always jet out of this country 
but it's high time to stop playing games with people's lives. You know, one of the number one fundamental issues that you need to address is the is this critical issues of health sector should be number one. You understand? Because it's when you are healthy that you can even say you want to go to school and all, all other things. You understand? So really, I do not see any seriousness being shown in this regard. Yes. The saying goes that health is wet and uh, of course, no more, not much increase is being made to the health sector. So the conflicts and also secondary issues, the lingering issues that have been there for years. And meanwhile, um, the minister was okay, was quoted to have said yesterday that he was ready, the federal government was ready to, to to employ doctors from outside the country, given the the immigration of uh, doctors to Saudi Arabia and other countries. It, it also tells you how unserious we are. Those people you are bringing from outside the country, would you pay them the same amount? We all know what goes when you have expatriates in your country. There's always a benchmark of how much you can even pay them in the first place. If you give them half of what you want to pay, these people who are leaving the shores of this country, if you have paid them half of what you want to pay this expatriate, they won't even leave in the first place. The agreements you have reached in the past, you are not coming forth to say, oh, this is how we're meeting up with the demands which we promised we're going to. And that's why they are moving in their droves. You understand? So really it shows how serious we are. He said we should come down from our high horse. Try to talk, talk to these people. Most of them just even need to hear something sweet from you. They won't leave. You understand, most of most of us Nigerians were proud of our country. We're proud of our country anywhere we are in the world. You understand? But when you try to treat people like piece of trash, they just look at you and feel like, come on, without you, I can I can survive elsewhere. You know, and that's why they are leaving majorly. So you shouldn't be now saying, oh, they can go if they want to go. You will employ people from can those ones be as patriotic as the ones you have who are your citizens? You know, we should just be doing the right thing at the right time instead of one other thing to uh, Mr. Musa is the fact that uh, many see that uh, these doctors, doctors and headquarters on the other hand, they are holding the government to ransom, giving their high demands, making it impossible, virtually impossible for the federal government to meet some of these demands. Well, I, I don't really see what's so high in terms of all these demands they are making, really, because you see, whatever that makes you to sit down at a round table and agree because i believed both parties must have shifted ground before you can come to that level to say okay now you have we want to follow this strike you have shifted ground the government also have shifted ground from you understand and when you arrive at that middle whatever it is that you have agreed on before you actually agreed on it i believe you should have called your team to say wait this is what we were shifting ground to this are you sure we can meet up on this that should have been done because sometimes they sit for three days so what are you doing are you all just deceiving people while you're sitting for these three days and all of that by the time you start for the first day they push this demand you say no come to this side i mean come to the middle they shifted to the middle you also shifted to the middle you should have looked at all these indices and say okay at this point we can also we can meet you at this middle and everybody will smile in the long run so not after reaching a, an agreement and then you go back and you feel, oh, no, come on, we felt, that, you know, that's deception. Nobody is even now taking you serious anymore. And that's why on their part, they reluctant even to sit with you because they feel, oh, times and times again, we have agreed and you are not meeting up with your own uh, end of, you know, agreement. Okay, so we'll 
Thank you so much. Yes, from uh, leadership newspaper, we move on to a sister publication, National Economy. National Economy has on its cover today. 13,000 projects compromised despite 6 trillion allocation to NDDC reports. 13,000 projects compromised despite 6 trillion allocation to NDDC. That is Niger Delta Development Commission, according to the audit report that was made, that was submitted yesterday. And uh, the bullet has revised NDDC operates 362 bank accounts. BNB orders criminal investigation. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is another uh, headline that is quite very funny yes. because you see, uh, we the learned NDDC, that, sorry, that the, the report was submitted by Minister of uh, uh, Niger Delta Ministry in SACS yesterday to the president. Mm. Uh, you see, the, the problem of this NDDC has been on for years now. You understand? In fact, somebody from Niger Delta once said to my hearing that, look, if it's just for any appointment, we didn't get the Minister of Petroleum then you will go for NDDC because that's the next tweet because you know i mean everybody just wants something very juicy that's NDDC is the headquarter of corruption in nigeria and look at it what are they doing with 362 bank accounts probably they have accounts for buying of viral you have accounts for buying of uh, paper or newspaper and all of that because it doesn't make any sense so what is all this uh what what they call this the uh, accounts they brought the APC brought again in the um, they call it a name. Okay. So this uh, uh, simple tri uh, tre okay, treasury account. accounts. So TSA. What, TSA, what is it all about? If an organ of the government is running 362 bank accounts, that NDDC it was the same NDDC where you called up call them uh, to National Assembly for questioning somebody will start slumping right there. You know. Was it as a funding for politicians to funds? Yeah, of course, of course. Anybody from Niger Delta, once he didn't get that uh, uh, Minister of Petroleum, the next one is, is NDDC. And that's why there's so much controversy there. Everybody from the minister down the line, they want to put their own people there such that, you know, there will be cooperation in whatever they are doing because they are always sharing the largest together. But of course, it comes with a sharing formula, you know. Like who takes the lion's share, who takes after that, you know, and all of that. But as far as I'm concerned, maybe the NDDC should just be shut down and create something new, give it a new name, bring credible people who are going to manage. Because if you are creating this kind of uh, 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 ministry or, or organ of government to actually alleviate the pains of people from that region, and yet some people are still using it for selfish, you know, interests and all of that to now even fund their own campaigns and everything. I mean, the, the government should look into it really because it's, which means it's not really getting down to the grassroots. It's the same NDDC where you hear to cut grass amount to billions of naira. What about during the lockdown? Yeah. Did you get to read about the amount that was appropriated by members? Yeah. You know, this is, they have series of things like that. It's, it was because of that scandal they had with that woman and the minister. That was why so many other things came to the open but you see for several years that place has actually been a conflict fight for most of these guys yes yeah yeah of course and with Umpadek, speak, yeah. the chairman of Umpadek, it's that, that, it was the place wanted, wanted yeah. Uh, yeah yeah 
it's it's really sad. It's really sad that especially if we're having this kind of things under the APC that came to power, uh, you know, with this mantra of uh, uh, to fight corruption, and yet they are watching their own people who actually eventually are manning some of these places, and yet their hands. And because I expected something to have been done when uh, they had that uh, scandal between the minister and the woman there. You know, and nothing was heard. If the whole thing was swept under the carpet, they included the man who slumped at the National Assembly. Did you get to hear anything about it anymore? It, Nigeria is just actually a joke when you look at some of these things. But what brings uh, my my worry is that what are the people of Niger Delta not speaking out? Considering the fact that these ones are meant for their development, uh, no, you see the, pro the, being the, by the, the problem is, again is that most times when you hear people, if you, if you hear, see some group of persons carrying placard in Nigeria. One of the first things the police is always asking, or the DSS always asks, is who is your sponsor? Because Nigeria seems we're just docile people. Nobody takes action against anything. You understand? Especially if the person who is perpetrating it is our own person, look, everybody just look the other way. So when you see people talking, there is another politician who is instigating that. You take these facts, go and talk. You understand? This is what is going on there. Other than that, everybody just goes to sleep. And in some cases, even the people who are supposed to talk, the moment they want to raise alarm, somebody will tip the people who are involved that these people are going to that they say, come on, come, 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 come. We are not getting it alone. You know, and that's all. So really, it's hard when you look at some of these issues. And this is how we keep going in vicious cycle. Everybody will keep blaming this one. Whoever is the president is the one who normally takes the larger blame. But of course, you blame him because you feel that discipline should be forced down from top you know it should be a top bottom approach but at the same time even the security that is manning the gates of NDPC also it would be involved in some level of corruption because that's what we see all over the place in Nigeria you know the man who is saddled with the responsibility to check your boots is not actually focused on that but he's looking at Madaha, my chap man is here you know just to get something from you and that's all Things are really, really bad. Yeah. So, do you think the PNB will have the key to actually enforce this uh, criminal investigation? What criminal investigation? We are all just counting the number of days that is left for this administration. You know, they just have two two years to go. So, probably they should just be uh, rounding up and tidying up their ends because I'm sure the next government that will be coming will also want to check some books. It uh, depends on who and who they feel or felt or really is not in their own good books. But this should be, if there's no any any slogan they want to come up with now to fight corruption that people are going to take serious anymore. Because you had six years. I mean, for six years now, you've not been able to do anything tangible. So these two years, really, I really don't see anything that people want to come out of it. Ah, thank you so much, Mr. Now we are moving on to our paper review. New Telegraph is next. New Telegraph newspaper. And it's covered today. It has NAS, National Assembly midterm reports. Obanikoro, Akiolu's sons, eight others failed to present these in two years as Lagos protégés sponsored 96. Obanikoro, Akiolu's sons, eight others failed to present these in two years as Lagos protégés sponsored 96. Yeah, you see, the, the, the problem is this, right? When you say Obani Koro and uh, Akiolu's sons, 
I wish I read this because I love to know how many sons he has, you know, <laughs> in, the, in, the, no, in the assembly there, in the Lagos uh, State uh, Assembly. It's funny because even the people who voted for them should know how many show that they are probably forced on them, you know, because I do not see them actually being involved in any kind of grassroots politics other than their parents saying, no, I have three of my sons who will contest election in this and that place and, and such like that and really you, you should know these are kids who were born with silver spoons what are you expecting did they grow up with you did they really pick the food from the gutter where you went through you know to know your pains really so what things are you expecting when you were collecting money to vote for them you should be expect you know you should know what you are you are, you are, you are going into really so it's sad again but i mean and we found we, we have seen in cases where people actually grew up from uh, a wealthy background and yet they still have that compassion for you know the downtrodden still have that uh, you know they are passionate about the growth of their immediate community and i think they should learn from that most of these guys actually studied abroad and i do not see any reason why you will study over outside the shores of this country and you don't learn how they do things out there you understand and come and replicate it here you know but uh, well I, I hope people will begin to learn and in 2023 we try to make an amends as to you know voting for all these guys okay you know. done on that national telegram let's just look down take the next story and it says current security threats serious concern to nigerians chief of naval staff current security threats serious concern to nigerians it, it is it is a serious threat we have always known that it's a serious threat i don't know what he meant by now reiterating it uh, before he became the chief of naval staff he should know that it's serious security threat yes and what i found more as uh, more of a threat uh, uh, right now is the fact that uh, if you see the rider down there says five thousand eight hundred and ninety terrorists you know Sorry. surrender and i asked because I, from the day they started surrendering i was asking that please what are they telling them when they come to surrender what do you tell the authorities that make them to pamper you because you are not coming out with your guns the sophisticated weapons that our uh, security operatives are saying is too sophisticated compared to their what they are using where did you keep them are they escorting them to where they kept them and start retrieving them back or what because I don't really can't wrap my head around it to say, okay, so because you came out to surrender, they pamper you. If this wasn't the first time this kind of thing happens, some of them we hear of when they will go back to you know to the to the to the forest again. We saw that also happen in Zamfara, where one of the warlords who embraced amnesty when this governor came on board, gave him money, and they were always on a monthly stipend. Perhaps at the point he felt that's not enough for him. He just isn't there all other so human animals you understand and, and he went back so you need to ask serious questions and i expect the government to always put a tab on these people to know where they are part time you should know where they are relocating to you should know what are their movements what market are they going who are they talking to which mosque are they worshiping do you understand because so that it won't be a point to start recruiting people again you understand because we hear from some of their testimonies is that because they are short of food in where they are and that's why they are coming out so how do i take you serious because you are hungry you came you understand 
so you are hungry by the time you get food and you feel you have, your stomach is now big again then you go back you get it so it's not making much sense to me rather than to say okay fine all we want to achieve is peace but at the same time we are not stupid as a government we love to know investigate the reason why they are actually surrendering is it because you block the, the, the supply of food if that is the case try to get in some uh, 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 as counselors who will cancel them and really get some of these facts from them make sure you put a tab on them to know where they are what they are doing and with serious warning if we hear of any case of any criminality anywhere around where you are you are our first target let them know that so that everybody will know that look if you want to live in peace you live in peace and the government needs to be very firm about whatever warning they are giving them you have to be very don't go there and be pampering them and, and like no government go to a negotiation table or a peace talk anywhere with their knees on their knees you don't do that as a government you have to go there from a position of strength and let it be known that government will remain government as long as the country remains you understand so you are not begging anybody but you want peace however they want the peace you are you are ready for it you understand if they want to embrace this amnesty with all sincerity it is fine but if it's for deception let it be known that they're going to meet you right there before they even carry out any nonsense you understand so really if there, there should be several questions to be asked and they should be properly profiled they should be properly profiled in fact if there's anything like uh you know uh, uh, all these uh you know uh, uh what they call this biometrics it should be done on them so that you know who is who part time you understand you will know you know so really we need to really start working on this because five thousand uh, is, is actually a threat to the national security as far as i'm concerned because sometimes you hear just about 20 uh, boko haram terrorists invading a, 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 a village and wipe the whole place out so we're talking about five thousand now coming to mix up with people really is a threat unless the government knows what they are doing in order to uh you know forestall another uh use of such of boko haram Thank you so much. You're still on to Inside Nigeria, and I will be discussing with Samaila Musa, a public affairs analyst. Before we take our last paper, we want to go and break and come back. Inside Nigeria, keeping you informed on what matters. Welcome back to Inside Nigeria, reaching you from Leadership Podcast Studio where we dissect major newspaper headlines, especially from our stable leadership newspaper. And today, now we are taking our last paper for today under review, the Nation newspaper. And meanwhile, we also have our guest that will be coming in. This is a former NMA president, and he's also the former West Association of Physicians. He's Dr. Osama Inabili. Look, discussing this uh, COVID-19 vaccination and Nigeria's health sector, and this tallies with what Nation newspaper has on its cover today. The Nation newspaper says government moves compulsory COVID-19 vaccination. Government moves compulsory COVID-19 vaccination. Dr. Osaho Nabil, it's nice, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. Dr. Osaho. Thank you. Are you hearing me? Good morning. Yeah, Good morning. thank you very much. Good morning, Nigerians. Thank you very much for having me on your program. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you on the program. Yeah, thank you very much. 
do. We want to find out. Government is considering uh, compulsory COVID-19 vaccination for its workers. What's your take on that? And given the logjam that is presently playing out in Edo State, where the state government insists that every citizen must be vaccinated, especially those going to public places like church and mosque and what have you. What's your take on that? Well, uh, thank you very much. I hope you're hearing me loud and clear. Yes. Um, I think first is to say that I think they may have gotten the, poly, the whole framework uh, uh, wrong uh, in the sense that before moving to this kind of policy direction, uh, questions need to have been asked about how effectively uh, other measures have been deployed. Uh, because what is problematic here is what you may consider as an inappropriate behavior change communication mechanism. Uh, because you ought to be able to sway your people, convince them, you know, in a very, you know, reasonable way to make them, you know, appreciate the need to even come on their own to have these vaccinations. You know, but what we've seen so far is a situation right from day one a poor risk communication mechanism uh, all over the country. And so today, most people do not even have needs, do not even think they have need for uh, face masks or other public health measures because there was no sufficient you know, effort, really, uh, to be very candid, uh, driven to the people to make them to change their behavior, what they call behavior change communication mechanisms, risk communication mechanisms. So I think this is more like uh, some level of frustration on the part of government to say we've been bringing in vaccines and nobody's using the vaccines. But the question you need to ask yourself is why are people not using the vaccines? And that is where research comes in, really. And what kind of evidence do you have to suggest that, oh, this is not a policy direction that needs to be implemented? So science is driven by research. It, you know, measures that we turn around, you know, the... the in the attitude of the people should also be informed by research. So what researches have been conducted to determine perhaps factors responsible for uh, people not coming up for the vaccines? What factors have made them to stay back in their homes or to even have some misconception about the vaccines? Don't forget that there has been infomedia, I mean, what we call very wrong use of the you know uh, social media space, for instance, to churn out all sorts of you know, information against uh, making people come up for the vaccines, you know, especially by the anti-vaxxers. So what has been the counter efforts by those in government and through their, you know, uh, various instruments, either at the level of the uh, ministries of information and communication, for instance, to turn around that narrative, to make people, not only in the cities, but even in the fringes, because all the effort really so far has been concentrated on city centers. We're not even talking about those in the you know, villages, in the rural communities, in the fringes. So I think government, before throwing up such what some people may consider as very draconian policy direction, is to sit back again, reflect, perhaps conduct a simple survey, all right, and get evidence to inform your action. Now you're having a situation whereby civil society organizations are taking up some of these governments to say, hey, you cannot infringe on our fundamental human rights. You have not even sufficiently discussed with us to know why we are not even, you know, coming up for the vaccines. What counter narrative do you have to convince the people on the need to do that? So I, I think it borders on 
how we deploy some of these you know communication mechanisms you know what you may call change behavior change uh, mechanisms uh, behavior me uh, change communication mechanisms to see how we can more convincingly appeal to the people on a sustained basis to make them first believe that covid is still with in nigeria here and indeed in africa and then convince them again on the need to of course protect themselves and by doing so protect you know the generality of the people of nigeria so i think a lot more efforts need to be you know put in that direction rather than just uh, perhaps throw up some frustrating uh, you know punitive measures that may not even go well for the people it may further strengthen the resistance of uh, the people because when you begin to have some legal disputations and contestations it is even going to worsen the effort just now being made by those governments to you know uh, administer vaccines to their people so yes i appreciate that the governments who are embarking on this kind of measure now they are making efforts to see how they can you know vaccinate their people and perhaps create some level of herd immunity in their communities but they should not get to this level of frustration they should still be able to of course sit back and conduct some simple researches and ask some very basic questions to inform policy direction rather than just you know uh jump-started the whole thing with uh you know compulsory vaccination uh, policy measures that is my take on this for now okay thank you so much dr Imabilele. we are moving on you know if considering uh, this covid 19 vaccination and doctors are embarking on strike so what is your take on that and how come well, that anytime there's a pandemic in the country as someone who covered the sector for a long period of time you know we also had the same scenario when we had the Ebola outbreak under uh, Professor Oyebuchichuku then as minister. And of course, we saw a situation whereby NAD went on strike that time with uh, doctors. And now, it's the same thing that's uh, playing out. What is your take on that? As somebody who has sway as NMA president. Yeah, thank you very much. I was NMA president between 2012 and 2014. And um, I had my own share of the you know, body, and uh, I will try as much as possible to also attend to them. But let me say that the issues that we are seeing now are what you may consider as, you know, perennial issues. Uh, they, they, they are perennial in the sense that government somehow, unfortunately, has not been able to resolve these issues over the years. You know, if anything at all, lip service is paid to some of them. Why have measures are thrown at, you know, the resolution of uh, other, other challenges and problems? And so, that is why you find out that at various points in time, it looks like we've not seen the end of industrial actions in our country. You know, it's not only in the health sector, really. Even other sectors, uh, those who perhaps, you know, think that, look, they, there is need for them to, at every point in time, determine how to, you know, guarantee their own existence, decide on the mechanism they want to deploy. Detour for the health sector. So in the case of the, the health sector, you find out that, it looks like we've not made much progress. When you look at what was on ground, uh, I mean, in the pre-colonial times, even in the immediate post-colonial times, the issues are still very basic issues. Yes, we may have made some modicum of progress, but not uh, as expected, you know, in terms of where we are supposed to be by now. So you find out that a lot of these issues are coming up from time to time. So it's it, 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 wake up and say, oh, because there's a pandemic now, you know, it just happens that, oh, at this point in time, perhaps they have gotten to what you may call the crescendo of their, you know, frustration, you know, the crescendo of their tolerance level. And they decide 
to cause let it bust open the approaches to those in government have not materialized in the resolution of their problems so somehow i think it's just coincidental that it's it finds some place of uh, reckoning within periods of uh, pandemics epidemics and all whatnot I, I think it's not deliberately contrived to rhyme with this what is important is for the government of the day to make sure that these issues are quickly resolved uh, even before they occur, that they are nipped in the board through effective proactive mechanisms, you know, to approach workers in their various workstations, know what they are going through, know their sentiments, know their emotions, and be able to, of course, have a very humane human resource policy, you know, program to attend to their needs from time to time. Even in the current action now, going on by the Nigerian Association of Resting Doctors, everybody has agreed, including those in government, that their demands are legitimate. So if you know their demands are legitimate, what efforts are you making to make sure that those demands are addressed with a note of finality? I repeat, with a note of finality, not through half-hearted measures, that tomorrow you wake up again and you find out that, ah, these issues have not been resolved. For instance, the Medical Residency Training Fund, one would have expected that with the president of Nigeria, President Muhammad Buhari, uh, Muhammad Buhari GCFRO, having signed the bill on medical residency training uh, uh, I haven't signed the Medical Residency Training Bill, which now became an Act, Medical Residency Training Act of 2017, that between 2017 and now, a lot of efforts would have been made to make sure that the various provisions are given some level of expression. So just as you have for the uh, National Health Act, which we all struggled to be enacted in 2014, you find out that a lot of the provisions, soon after you sign these uh, provisions, soon after you enact this Act, everybody goes to sleep. And it looks like nobody is even monitoring or supervising the implementation of the expression of those provisions. So the same thing has happened to the Medical Residency Training Act, which the national, the Nigerian Association of Residency Doctors believes should be given some level of uh, fuller expression in terms of committed implementation of the various provisions of the Medical Residency Training, Training, Training Act 2017. So it, it bothers on how responsive those in government are. It bothers on how you know, proactive they are, and how effective, you know, the kind of labor resolution mechanisms they put on ground. So I, I think that in the current instance, I appeal to government and its functionaries and, and, and instruments to please get back to the negotiation table rather than implementing what you may consider as very punitive, strong arm tactics uh, that will not even uh, aid the resolution of this problem. If I know that they've gone to court, they've said no work, no pay, but they you know, the hungry uh, doctors who have not been paid for 19 months, 5, 10 months, 6 months, who have not had their medical residency training funds deployed to their various centers, who have house officers, for instance, over 100 of them still unpaid, haven't worked for hours, haven't worked for months. So these are issues you cannot comprehend. And because, like I always say, a doctor is part of the community. Uh, doctors are no different from other human beings. They, they buy from the same market. And so what explanation do you give to your family? Because a lot of these people also have families. They are breadwinners. So what excuse do you give to your family that on a daily basis you have no money to provide, you know, uh, food on the table because government is owing you 19 months, because government has not provided for the basic needs? People have died in the face of COVID. How have, been, have they been able to satisfy all those who are involved? So full measures and not half measures need to be deployed. So I, I think... Uh, it's unfortunate, and I and I sympathize with Nigerians, you know, and I and I appreciate the pains and the sufferings Nigerians are going through, uh, particularly those they have not, who really have no means to procure 
healthcare services in the first place because of the very high level of out-of-pocket spendings in our country. But I also want to appeal uh, to both the, uh, the, the government and, of course, the uh, National Nigerian Association of Resident Doctors that whenever they, there's an opportunity for, to restart the negotiations, that it should be done with some level of patriotic uh, disposition. And I'm aware that just now the Nigerian Medical Association has tried to intervene, and I hope they will listen to the voices of the leadership of the Nigerian Medical Association to make sure that these issues are quickly resolved and everybody goes back happily to work. And of course, the whole issue of ensuring smooth healthcare delivery is giving some level of uh, preeminence and priority. Thank you. Leadership newspaper carries on his cover today the fact that we have one doctor to 2,753 citizens, Nigerians, Nigeria currently. That is the situation that is playing out. And yet, a week ago, we saw some Nigerian doctors jetting out to Saudi Arabia. So, what can we do about it to cut this brain drain? Given the well, fact it's that the same thing. not even there in the first place. Well, it's the same thing we've been talking about. Uh, the border on what we call push factors and pull factors. I've been talking about brain drain for over over 16 years now, and it looks like it's become you're becoming like a broken record, you know. And people, you just you're just saying things, and it looks like nobody is listening to the voices of opinion leaders, the voices of those who understand the issues in the health sector. Well, I've been talking about this. I've written severally on it, you know. But the the, the solutions are there. But nobody is committed enough to address, you know, those uh, issues that, you know, can stave off, you know, this massive emigration of healthcare professionals. And not only healthcare professionals, really, other, other professionals, you know, emigrating abroad. Preeminently, we look at issues of the working conditions. How good are the working conditions compared to working conditions outside the country? You know, I mean, just now, you, 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 I'm sure you are aware of what the Saudi government is offering our Nigerian professionals, you know, to come to Saudi. Almost 10, 15, 20 times what they earn in Nigeria, with a very good ambience, a very alluring working environment. Who will not appreciate that kind of environment? Is it difficult to create in Nigeria? I say, no, it's not difficult. I mean, you just need to walk to a place like Igeduma. I mean, the, well, I'm sorry I have to say this. There's this religious set in uh, if you walk into that establishment, you wonder whether you are in Nigeria. So it can be created in Nigeria. All we need is a commitment. So the issue of poor working conditions, the issue of uncompetitive wages, all right, because we've always made the case, and I make the case again, that unless and until you tie worker salary to inflationary trends, in other words, make it an index of the inflationary rates, you're just going to have this seesaw vacillatory movements. You know, every now and then, disputes, industrial uprising, because workers have to, the workers' pay needs to move, you know, in line with inflation, with inflationary trends. But in Nigeria and in most parts of Africa, it is static. The workers have to rise up again to demand for improvements in their wages. Whereas in other advanced countries, you just tie it to the inflationary trend. So if the inflation is worsening, the salary appreciates without everybody having to kill, his, kill himself or herself or break his head over going to meet on the negotiation table to begin to review wages, it just seamlessly flows. So there are good, there are best practices that can be employed. So the issue of uncompetitive wages is something that is critical. Then of course, like we know insecurity in Nigeria today, even those who are not even professionals, 
because of the issue of insecurity, they will prefer to go elsewhere to, of course, live more comfortably. No professional wants to go through the rigors of, you know, having undertaken such laborious endeavors or courses in the university or whatever tertiary, health in, uh, tertiary institution comes out with the hope of being able to offer services to the people in a good ambience, in a secure environment. And the next moment, the next moment you hear that the person has been kidnapped. And not only kidnapped, by the time a person, if this person is, is lucky to be released, he passed with all the money he has been saving all his life in the name of ransom. We just had a doctor who was released recently. I can imagine what the doctor went through. I mean, it was so horrifying. It was so traumatic. I mean, so when you have gotten through that kind of experience and somebody comes to you and says, look, we can guarantee you a better secured environment. We can guarantee you 20 times your pay. We can guarantee you better working conditions. I'm sure even you journalists, if you have somebody like that offering you in CNN or, or BBC or whatever, I'm sure you, you, you have to reflect with your family and take the best option because the times in Nigeria are not unfortunately good. Every day you wake up, you are challenged with the issue of insecurity. You are not a local government unto yourself, providing light, providing water, providing security for yourself, and all sorts of things. Whereas the Nigerian constitution in section 14, you know, uh, subsection 2A, you know, states very clearly, I mean, subsection 2B states very clearly that the, 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 the responsibility of government is a provision, I mean, is a welfare and security of the people. That government is obligated to provide for the welfare and security of the people. I mean, we've said this severally, but what do we have in our country? It looks like the thing is worse than every day. And this is a reality. And I make no mistakes about this because, I mean, I do not care what political tendencies people have, but you, you, you must put Nigeria first and speak truth, you know, to those who govern us. I mean, speak to reality and, of course, prevent it with facts and evidence. And I think the evidence is glaring. I mean, it's, 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 it's audible to the deaf and visible to the blind that Nigeria is is declining every day in terms of the indices is the security in, i mean insecurity index so not to talk of the economic down, economic downturn i mean everybody is so deprived now economically not even the professionals can boast of having the basic things of life so things need to be reordered and reprioritized as to you know giving that level of top priority to the welfare security and the basic existence of nigerians including the healthcare professionals including the medical doctors, who have a sacred responsibility as dictated by their professional pledge to guarantee uninterrupted you know, delivery of care. But they cannot do that unless they have a good ambience, unless they are provided for, as Hippocrates said in the original uh, oath that doctors used to swear to, that for doctors to continue to guarantee uninterrupted healthcare services, the system, the community and the society, and of course the government needs to also provide for its basic needs. So it is a compact, like you know, even government is a contract between the people, between the government and the, and the people. So also in medicine. So it is not a unidirectional traffic because at the end of the day, you need to survive. You need to be alive to offer care to your patients. You need to be in a good ambience to offer care to your patients. You need to be in a good state of mind. So also if a, gov if a governor, a local government chairman or the president of a country is not well because health is not being provided or is not in a good state of health, for instance, it cannot govern. So that is a prime place of health. And that is why we always say that health should be given this pride of place. I mean, in all the sectors, sectoral allocations. The allocation to health today is so abysmal. I mean, we've been crying for how many years now 
that the increase there should be an increase in the budgetary allocation to health. But nobody is paying attention to that. So there are a lot of issues confronting the the Nigerian healthcare worker, confronting the Nigerian medical doctor, confronting the young doctors and the old doctors, confronting Nigerians. And I think the earlier this is reflected on and addressed in a very patriotic manner, rather than an adversarial you know, manner, they better for a Nigerian, a Nigerian state. So let me also inform that really the ratio of doctor to patient is one to 4,000 based on the statistics from the Nigerian Medical, I mean, from the Medical and Dental Council of Nigeria, at least as at April-May. So it's, it's about, it's, it's worse now, it's about one to 4,000, you know, patients. That means one doctor on the uh, statistics that we have is catering for about 4,000 patients. Looking at the population of Nigeria, which we, we see generally put at about 200, uh, 200 million. The population, like we know, is increasing geometrically, but until, unless and until you conduct an evidence-based study, uh, we, we generally would like to put it at 200 million. And if you put it at 200 million, you're looking at one doctor uh, to about 4,000 patients. On the basis of the fact that there are over 95,000 doctors just now registered on the register of the Medical and Dental Council. But out of that 95,000, only about 50,000 are presently practicing in Nigeria. So I think we need to get the statistics right too. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Osaho Inapulele. Dr. Osaho Inapulele is the past president of Nigerian Medical Association 2012 to 2014. And currently, he is the president of Commonwealth Medical Association. Thank you so much for being part of our program today. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. Good morning, Nigeria. Yes, I still have my public affairs analyst with me on in the studio, leadership podcast studio, Samela Musa. Samela Musa, it's been a pleasure hosting you. Always, always, it's always a pleasure hosting you. I look forward to seeing more people every day. So, viewers, we draw the curtain on today's presentation of Inside Nigeria. Tomorrow, no, next week, Monday, is another date. And hopefully we will have a big bad with me in the studio. So I wish you all the best. Have a beautiful weekend. I remain in your first Inside Nigeria, keeping you informed on what matters.